Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting here with Bob Berg. Bob, how are you, sir? Great, Tyler. Great to be with you. Well, it's great to be with you and I appreciate you taking time and really looking forward to having an enlightening conversation where I'm sure we're going to talk about many things, but one thing in particular would be influence. And I'd love to dive into psychology behind influence, uh, you know, human psychology. And, and Bob Berg is, is uh, really one of the you know, foremost experts on influence and we'll, we'll get to that. And I think uh, Elevate Nation's in for a real treat today. So again, thank you, Bob, for being here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. And Elevate Nation, thank you for being here and welcome back because it's time to take it to another level. I want to welcome you back to the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond. And, you know, this is a, you know, this is a show where we talk about the mindset, the habits, the routines, the systems, the tools, strategies, and so much more from those who are elevating to a life without limits so you can do the same for yourself. And this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing, but ultimately in their lives, because whether it's real estate, whether it's building a business, that's a vehicle towards creating an outcome in your life. And, and I know that Bob is, uh, is, is definitely going to be on the same page with me on so many different factors, but I want to introduce you to him really quickly before we dive into an, an exciting discussion. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at a company at company leadership and sales conferences on topics at the core of the Go Giver books, which I've got my beautiful Go Giver book right here. If you haven't read that book or any of the other uh, books along the line, you definitely want to go ahead and get that immediately because it's an amazing book, and we'll definitely dive into that. But He's also a former television personality and top producing salesperson. Bob has shared the platform with some of today's top business leaders, broadcast personalities, coaches, athletes, and political leaders, including a former U.S. president. So that's, that's amazing. In addition to co-authoring the best-selling Go-Giver books with John, Dave, John David Mann, Bob has, or has authored a number of popular books, including the critically acclaimed Endless Referrals, Network your everyday contacts into sales and adversaries into allies. His total book sales are well over a million copies, and he's got some beautiful books behind him right now as well. Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, I know that that's like eye candy for myself, and I know many of our listeners. So definitely make sure you take a look there. Uh, the American Management Association named Bob one of the top 30 most influential leaders, and he is one of Inc. 100's great leadership speakers. Rich Topia named him one of the top 200 most influential authors in the world. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, and he believes in the amount of money, the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people one serves. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and served on the board of directors for Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in his hometown of Jupiter, Florida. For more information, articles, and free resources, please visit www.berg.com. So Bob, with that said, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself behind the bio. Who is Bob Berg as a man? <laughs> hopefully, a, hopefully a good guy who's always trying to improve himself and, uh, and so forth. And I, I love what you said, you know, earlier when you talked about 
real estate investing, but also really it has so much more to do with how we grow on the inside. And I, I think with any of, with anything we're doing, um, successful people know that, that it begins by, by growing ourselves. We grow on the inside, uh, physical success, financial success, relational success, social success, mental success, emotional success, that manifests on the outside. But it really is what we put in comes out. And, and you know, so that's, that's so, so very important. Uh, and I, I love what you said about the bookshelf, about being eye candy. I always say to people, because this is one, that's one small part of my home library. And I always say my, my house is basically comprised of books with some scattered furniture. Oh man, I love oh, yeah, it. This is how I know we're friends. We're already, I can feel it. That's amazing. Uh, exactly. That's awesome. So tell me about that. So are you, I mean, it just, you know, for me at least, and I'm, I'm a deep lover of books because I learned that when I could grow more as an individual, I could become more and that I could create more in my life. And that curiosity is just endless within me. It's like this fire that just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And then I can give it to someone else. And how good does it feel to give that to someone else? And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I love about your writing and the thought process that you bring to the world is that it's genuine. I can feel it. When I read your book, The Go-Giver, I can feel how pure it is. And it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's simple in many ways, but it's profound truth. And so, you know, one of the things that I found you know, obviously from a high level of the go-giver is you, you talk about the five laws of stratospheric success, right? And I'll just go over them very briefly for the listeners. And, and again, I would highly encourage the listeners to read this book. And I'd be more than happy to share my copy with, uh, with a couple of friends here if, if, if necessary. But uh, number one is the law of value. You've got to give more than you want to receive. And we'll go into this. But number two is the law of compensation. Your income equals serving more people. Number three is the law of influence, placing others' interests first. Number four is the law of authority, which is really offering yourself, you know, offering your resources to other people. And then the law of receptivity, which I thought was actually really great, was stay open to receiving. Because look, you can give, you can give, you can give, but if you're not open to receiving, you know, you're, you're sort of leaving, you know, many of this on the table and people want to give back to you. Um, so I'd just be curious to know, where did you... Was there a moment in your life where you sort of came up with these principles or how did you actually arrive on this? Well, uh, so John David Mann, my co-author and I, and John deserves so much credit because he's, he's the lead writer of that story. He, you know, he's a storyteller. I am a how-to person to the max. I'm step one, step two, step three, right? So without, you know, without John's uh, uh, writing abilities, it, it never would have uh, been what it was. Um, you know, I was I was fortunate in growing up with parents who were go givers. I mean, they were just great people. Uh, people always providing value to others, to everyone whose lives they touched. And you know, it's not a it's not a the term I would have thought of, but when thinking about it, that really is you know. And John grew up with similar parents. He from what he told me, and and um, his are both gone, unfortunately. And um, but, uh, you know, so that's a, that's an advantage right there, I think, in, in being able to, to see that. Now, when I got into business, got into sales, 
uh, I, I kind of saw a lot of people doing things in a different way. And, and sometimes you see people doing things in a way that you don't think is really good and, and they succeed to a certain point Though you start to see that maybe they're not as successful as they seem. It's not very sustainable. They're not very happy. They don't you know, have a lot of good relationships. And then you see a whole lot of people who are very, very successful, who are doing a lot of great things and are bringing a lot of value to people's lives and who genuinely care about those they're serving. And it begins to form a, a little bit of a pattern. But I would, I would say if there was one thing that kind of really got me to that point where I really came to understand it was I'd been in sales for a couple of years and I was doing pretty well. I, I learned sales, I'd studied sales. I was totally into all the personal development and you know the whole thing. But I hit a, a real bad slump. And anyone who's been in sales for any length of time hit those slumps. I mean, it just, it's just, it's part of it. And one reason for this slump was I kind of had lost my, my focus on where it needed to be. It sort of became more about me than it should have been. And, and, uh, and I remember coming back to the office one day. I was selling a high-ticket item for a, for a company. And um, uh, I came back to the office after a non-selling appointment. Now, it was not non-selling by design. It was supposed to be a selling appointment, but because of my own inadequacies, I, the sale did not take place. And two things happened. One was that someone who would have really benefited from that product didn't end up getting it, and they lost the, you know, the, the benefits of that. Two, I didn't earn a commission from a product I didn't sell. So it was a lose-lose instead of a win-win. And I remember, again, coming back to the office and I was sitting around in the, the lounge area and I must have had a really disgusted look on my face, disgusted at myself. And, and one of the guys, a much older guy, now this is almost 40 years ago. So when I say a much older guy, I mean probably my age now, right? You know, <laughs> like a decrepit old guy, you know. Now, but, uh, but he was a really nice guy. He wasn't in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department or something and even retired soon afterwards. But he was one of these guys who, and I didn't know him very well, but he was one of these people, you, you probably know people like this, didn't say much, but whenever he did say something, it was always profound, right? Yeah. And he said to me, Berg, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, uh, can I give you some advice? And I said, absolutely, please do. And he said, if you wanna make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And you know, I gotta tell you, Tyler, that right there is where I, I really grasped the idea that great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Uh, great salesmanship is never about the product or service itself, as important as that is. Great salesmanship is about the other person, your prospective customer or client, and how that product or service and everything additional that you bring to the table through the experience itself is going to bring value to their lives. Yeah, it's a huge got that. And that's sort of the law of value. Uh, give more in value than you take in payment. That doesn't mean you're giving more than you're getting. It means you're giving in a way that is of immense value to that other person while you're still making a very healthy profit yourself. And the 
you know, the uh, essence, and I remember learning this from one of my mentors, Harry Brown, the essence of a free market-based exchange. And when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else. People do it on their own volition. The very essence of a, a free market-based exchange is that there are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away significantly better off afterwards than they were before. Are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year. Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be and really, you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on this show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. Yeah. And you know, all of this is, it's somewhat um, uncomfortable for people, you know, in, in the book, you talked about the individual in the parable was, you know, really a go getter to start with. And many, many would align with that phrase, you know, I'm a go getter and I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm out reaching my goals and I'm, and I'm continuing to raise the bar in my own life and I'm creating more for myself and the people that I care about. But that shift seems to be so profound and maybe somewhat, um, you know, not doesn't feel natural to a lot of people that it's like, well, wait a minute, if I'm just giving away, when am I ever going to get ahead? And, you know, I think, um, what would you say to those who are maybe getting impatient with that thought? Well, let, let's dive into that on a couple of, of um, places. So first, the, the basic premise of the whole go-giver way, if you will, is that shifting your focus, and again, it's always gonna come back to focus. It's not an either or, it's an and, but it's where your focus is. Shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that not only is this a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. Not for some woo-woo way out, reason, it actually makes very logical and rational sense. When you're that person who can move from a focus on yourself onto focusing on making that other person's life better, bringing value to them, solving their problems, making their life happier, more fulfilling, so whatever it happens to be, people are much more likely to want to get to know you. They feel good about you. They want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They, uh, you know, when I speak at sales conferences, I'll often say, and I, and I don't say this in a dogmatic fashion, but just in a, in a way that everyone knows I'm joking, but it's, but it will make sense. And that is, I'll say, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, <laughs> right? They're not going to buy. And we all laugh because we all know that that's true, right? Yeah. You think about it. Nobody's going to buy from you because you need the money. And they're not going to buy from you even because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. 
And that's the only reason they should buy from you or from me or from anyone else. Now, the good news about this is that person, and maybe again, that person who has that concern you were mentioning, when that person can take the focus off themselves, okay, which is not why that person's gonna buy, to, to placing their focus on that other person, they're gonna create that context where that other person feels good about them. They like them, they trust them, they have faith in them that they're out looking after them and much more likely to buy. This is why John and I say that money is simply an echo of value, right? It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means the value must come first. That's where your focus must be. The value comes first. The money you receive is simply a very natural result of the value you've provided. You know what this whole conversation reminds me of? It's, uh, you know, if you think of like sales 101, you know, the, you're doing an interview for a sales position and the boss says, all right, sell me this pin. All right. And the first thing, you know, your, your amateur salesman is going to say, well, look at all the features. This thing, it's got a ballpoint pin. It glides across the paper. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a lint thing flying around my face here, but you know, it's funny because the, the natural shift there is, well, wait a minute, what's important to you, Mr. Customer? What exactly are you looking for in a pin? So it's, it's a very slight yeah. shift, but it changes yeah. everything for you, right? Exactly. That's, that's exactly what it does. It, it, um, you know, uh, we can take this, uh, even an example, if you want, um, you know, someone says, well, this go-giver stuff, you know, I, focus on the customer. Yeah, I get that. That's all nicey nice and everything, but I need the money now. You know, I need to make that money now. Okay. So let's, let's go yeah. to that. You're the prospect. Okay. Tyler. Okay. I'm the salesperson and man, I need that money now. Okay. I mean, I have got to have this money now. So I go in there. I can already feel it by the way. That you can't you. And that's exactly what the prospect feels too. Yes. Uh, we used to call it commission breath. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it's, it's really that sense that this person needs you to buy. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty natural to understand that really nobody wants to do business with anyone who needs them too much. Uh, right. Not out of meanness, but, but because we, we sense that this person doesn't have our best interest in mind. Yes. When that's the case, there's no trust. Yes. Okay. So, so I need that money. So I come in and, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to present and I'm going to ask you some questions because that's what I've been trained to do, but I'm not really listening to listen. I'm listening to discover how I can sharp angle you into a close. Uh, when you give me an objection or even a concern, I, I'm actually a little defensive. I'm trying not to show it, but I'm a little defensive and you can sense it because you're that objection standing in the way of, of my money and me, right? And you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of right away trying to, to, to close and I'm closing every, you know, few minutes and uh, the, the whole thing. Well, so the question is, are you more likely or less likely to buy from me right then? Oh, much but, less likely. You know, much less likely. And, yeah. and you know, anyone would, would say that, I, I would assume. So now I'm the same person, I'm the same sales guy. I still need the money. I'm in a position where, you know, I need the money. But now what I'm going to do is, and it's not that I'm going to deny my self-interest because as human beings, we are self-interest by our very nature. It's how we survive for millennia. You know, sure. we, 
you know, uh, the, even the body, the antibodies, right, are self-interested. They fight off disease and infection and, and so forth. I mean, that's just, so we don't have to deny our self-interest, but what we do want to do is put it off to the side, right? We just kind of put it off to the side and understand that for me to focus on how I can serve you is not only, a, again, a, a better way of doing things, but it's probably going to be more profitable and let's see. So now I come into the presentation and I put my self-interest aside, uh, just how it is. And I start asking you questions, but now I'm asking you questions because I really want to know. See, I'm, I'm understanding that selling by definition is simply discovering what the other person needs, wants, or desires, and my job is helping them to get it. So I'm discovering your needs, and I'm continuing to ask questions until I really, really understand what it is you want. When you have a question or an objection, I welcome it, and I thank you for it, because this gives us a chance to not answer the objection itself, which is probably the only the manifestation of the actual objection, but together we get to uncover things and see what the root of that concern is so that we can answer it together. Okay. Right. Uh, once I know that I know what you need, want, and desire, now and only now do I match the benefits of the product or service with your needs, wants, and desires. And then at the end, when I ask for the order, close the sale, nothing fancy about it. I'm simply asking you to take action on something you've already told me you want to do. Are you more likely or less likely to buy from me right now? Much more likely. I trust you. Sure. You, you understand what I am looking for. You understand what my needs are and you care. You're not just here to close the sale. You're here to fulfill a need, exactly. which is one of the things that I think is so interesting is, you know, a lot of people hear the word sales and they say, ah, I just, I don't want to sell something. It just feels, you know, feels nasty or feels slimy or whatever it may be. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that anything in your life you need to be selling because you're really, you're persuading, you know, whether you're negotiating or whatever it may be, you know, we're having a great conversation. I'm persuading you to continue this conversation by building a relationship, by providing value to you. Sure. And what do you think, there, what else are some of the limiting beliefs that you see on folks that maybe are kind of blocking themselves from being successful at influencing other people? Well, first, and you bring up a great point, if, if the idea of selling gives them the heebie-jeebies, it's costing them business. Because if it bothers them that they're in sales, they're going to communicate that unconsciously to others. Mm. So we really need to kind of shift how we even see sales. See, a lot of people, the biggest misperception about selling is that it's that selling is about trying to convince someone to buy something they don't yeah. want or need. But that's not selling. That's called being a con artist, okay? It's, it's fraud, it, it's not selling, okay? Selling, again, by definition, it's discovering what the other person needs, wants, or desires and helping them to get it. But let's look at the root of selling. Um, the old English root of the word sell was salan, which meant to give. Hmm. So when you're selling, you're literally giving. Now, someone might say, okay, I, you know, that's clever and everything, but isn't that just semantics? And, I don't know that it is or not, but let's look at it this way. Let's say you're about to give a presentation. You are selling, right? What are you giving? If you're selling, if selling is giving and you're selling, what are you giving? I suggest you're giving that person time, attention, 
counsel, education, empathy, and most of all, exceptional value. If you look at selling this way, it's very easy to be proud of being a salesperson, being a sales professional. And if you're proud of what you're doing, you're going to communicate that to the other person. That's yeah. a living belief we can easily get over by really understanding what selling is. Yeah. And giving value and thinking about the outcome rather than just the exchange of a trade or your currency for my service or my product or whatever that may be. One thing I find so fascinating about your work and really the transformation from this really profound truth of giving rather than just going out and being the go-getter is how you come across subconsciously and how you communicate to others subconsciously and how that energy is felt. Could you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe what you've seen in terms of the shift from the, just really this kind of pre-frame of how people are out looking the exchange of services that they're giving to others? Well, I think, it, you know, it starts again with education and with, with um, people understanding what, what really it is they're doing and representing and, you know, what they're there for. You know, there's a, there's a great series of books by my friend Lisa Earl McLeod called uh, Noble Purpose. One is, is Leading with Noble Purpose and one is Selling with Noble Purpose. They're both great books. Um, in the Selling with Noble Purpose a book. She tells a story and I, I'm not going to tell it really well because I haven't told it for a while. So please forgive me for that, but I'll, I'll get forgive you just a bit. <laughs> uh, she was, she was hired by a pharmaceutical company to work with their representatives and really was to discover what made the successful ones successful so that they could really systemize that and, and help others to, to be as successful. So she's talking to one of the, the, the women who was, I, I think she was either number one or two in the company in terms of sales. And, and Lisa asked her, why is it that, you know, you're so successful? And she said, you know, Lisa, I think it really goes back to one time when I was in a, a doctor's office. Because first of all, I used to just think I was selling pharmaceuticals. That was my job. I was selling pharmaceuticals. Then one day, I'm in the doctor's office waiting for my appointment with the, the doctor. It was a sales appointment. Uh, and there was a woman sitting near me who had heard me talking to the uh, receptionist and heard what company I was with. And she said, oh, do you sell? And she asked, you know, the name of the product and, and the representative said, yes, yes, I do. And she goes, oh, I just want to thank you for giving me my life back. Mm -hmm. um, I had had these, these horrible injuries or sickness or whatever it was. It was a, uh, you know, one of those debilitating sickness. And she said, I was not able to play with my grandkids. My quality of life was horrible. I was so unhappy. I was depressed. You know, she said, your medication, your medication has given me my life back. I'm able to play with my grandchildren. I'm smiling. I'm happy. My life, you know, the whole, well, this representative realized she was not in the business of selling pharmaceuticals. She was in the business of giving people their lives back. From that moment on, her sales went through the roof. Wow. She was selling with a noble purpose. She was focused on the value she was giving, not the money she was receiving. But of course, she's now receiving a lot more money based on that. And that's mm -hmm. why I say it's focus. And I don't ever want anyone to think, remember, the fifth law is the law of receptivity. Okay. So I don't want anyone to think yeah. this is about giving yourself away, about right. not making a profit. In fact, go-givers tend to be on the higher end of the price range because we sell on high value, not low price. Okay. And so I don't want anyone to get the idea 
that you know this is this is some uh, self-sacrificial kind of it isn't at all it means your focus is on the value you're bringing and you allow the receiving that you've earned yeah and, it, and it, the other piece of this is the added benefit is that you come with a energy a giving energy rather than a getting energy and you can feel that to a low level even if you're not aware of this concept psychological you know the psychological concept of bringing this positive energy you should certainly study it but even if you're not aware of it all human beings can detect it and they may not be able to to detect it from a conscious level so you know you definitely want to shift your thinking in terms of giving what does your offering whether you're raising capital for a real estate deal whether you're trying to negotiate a deal what are you doing to help align interests for other parties what is it that they're looking to accomplish and if you can help them accomplish that well then guess what you're going to get closer to what you're looking to accomplish so i love that bob i want to talk more about you because earlier in the conversation you were talking about how when you can grow more and when you can become more, you can create more. And I'd love to know, you know, what are you investing in yourself? You know, whether it's your time, your attention, your resources, how are you investing in your own personal growth these days? Well, I'm an avid reader, so I'm, I'm always reading and learning. You know, I listen to, to some, you know, books on taste, but not, not really that much. I'm, I really enjoy the reading process uh, a whole, a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I go to seminars at times and things. I enjoy that. I like to do it when they're in Florida, so I don't have to travel to it because I travel enough speaking and I've cut down on that considerably uh, on my speaking travels uh, as I get older. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I, I travel as little as I can, but when there's a good seminar in my area, I'll try to attend that and often get there. Uh, and so uh, those are things. And I'm always speaking with other people who know more than I do about certain topics and learning from them. Uh, so I'm, I'm continually in, in learning mode. I love that. And there's nothing greater than learning more and surrounding yourselves with other people who have that same desire. I'd be curious to know as someone who's so well read, how do you choose your next direction of what you're going to read? Mm, you know, it can be tough. And the reason why is there are a lot of great books out there. Yeah, they are. You know, I'm like 30, 35 behind in my books to be read right now. I'm looking at a stack over there. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, you know, Charlie Tremendous Jones, one of the all-time great speakers of the, of the day back in, in yesteryear, he had said, uh, you know, you know you've got a, a book person when they go into a library 10 books behind on their reading list and come out with 10 more books. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, and, and, and I have this thing where I can't stand not completing a book or having them sitting around. So it, it, I have to get over that attachment to that, you know, kind of thing because there's just not enough time to read all the things I want to read. I so honestly have the same problem. Yeah. I have the exact same problem. Yeah. So you got to pick and choose. And mm -hmm. uh, so, but, but yeah, it can be, very difficult. I wish I had the answer to uh, a formula that I knew exactly what, but uh, no, I know for me, it's just, I follow my curiosity and then also what's help, what's happening in the world. You know, like one example is I purchased uh, the black swan, you know, probably eight months ago by uh, what is it? Nicholas Talib, Nassim Talib. And, and Right. And I, and I decided to pick it up, you know, over the past few months as we ex experienced the black swan event, you know, yeah. the coronavirus. And it's like, all right, this is relevant now. It's timely. Let's do this. But it's not always that easy for me. There's definitely a, a challenge. But 
I love just spending time with others who have that curiosity. And I think we all have that deep within our soul. I think we're all creative. We're all curious. Some of us may suppress that a little bit more than others, but talk to me about your, your life. I mean, I'd love to know what sort of habits have you consciously created in your world, Bob? Well, you know, I, I believe there are strengths and weaknesses we all have, and we need to, you know, while we want to lead with our strengths, we also want to be aware of our weaknesses and know which ones we can ignore because they're really meaningless, which ones we need to mitigate, and which ones we need to turn into strengths, because if we don't, it's going to really hurt our effectiveness. Um, uh, for example, I think of one that I've needed to mitigate, which is, which is, um, my tendency to eat junk food and not work out. So not a good combination, especially as you get older. Uh, and while in my younger days, I had the self-discipline that I would go to the gym and I'd do those things and I'd watch what I ate, even though I didn't want to watch what I ate, uh, I, that stopped happening as I got older. And so I needed, I realized I needed to mitigate that or it could be very unhealthy and certainly it, and, and so forth. So I got a trainer who comes to my house. She comes to my house. Her name is Diane. She comes every morning at 6.30. I'm up at five o'clock and I do whatever I do before 6.30, um, which are also habits as far as what I read, what I check on, you know, emails and everything like that, which may be a different set of habits than what other people do. But with me, I do... Um, pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I am a creature of habit, but I set those up because I want that, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it, uh, I'm going to have to go back to that. If I, if I <laughs> structure, uh, yes. keeps me doing what I need to do. So now she, I know she's going to be there at six 30. We're going to do the workout. She also, and she comes over, it used to be six days a week. Now it's five days a week, but she also prepares my meals for the day. They're all healthy, delicious meals. I know what I can eat. I know what I can't eat. And I do that because if I didn't, there would be consequences to it, okay? And because it's a weakness that I needed to mitigate. And so what I did is I created the environment where I would eat the right things and work out. So, you know, those are certain things we can do. Now, in terms of those traits or characteristics that we have to improve upon, because if we don't, that's going to, you know, be, it, it's going to make us less effective. Uh, I remember, and I, I talked about Charlie Jones, Charlie Tremendous Jones. Well, he was one of my mentors years ago, and he sent me a, a book. This is about probably 30 years ago, about 25 years ago. And it was by Benjamin Franklin called The Autobiography. Love Ben Franklin. I, oh, I know. I read amazing everything. Amazing individual. Yeah. Yeah. And in this book, The Autobiography, which he actually wrote as a how-to to pass along to his son, became a, a book that has been, you know, just massively yeah. uh, helpful to generations of people who've read it. Well, in one of the chapters, as you know, uh, he had something called The 13 Virtues. And this was his idea for for moral perfection, which admittedly he never hit, you know, hit, but he certainly <laughs> improved himself a whole lot. And absolutely on the pudding. So, <laughs> and, and basically what did he did? He took 13 characteristics that he felt he needed to improve upon that were weaknesses of his. And he would work on one per week. I mean, just absolute laser focus on this one. 
And then he'd go to another one the next week and another one the next week. And at the end of 13 weeks, he'd start back at number one again. Well, 13 times four or 52. So you could go at 52 weeks in a year. So you could go through the course, the self-improvement course, four times in a year. Well, I did that. And I, some of them were the same characteristics as Dr. Franklin. Others were ones that I specifically had to work on. And it made a humongous difference in my life my effectiveness, my level of happiness, peace of mind, and everything else. So, you know, there are those certain weaknesses that we need to really focus on and turn them into strength. So, um, you know, I think that's really what it comes down to is, is knowing ourselves well enough to know what we, what we do well, what we could improve upon, and what we must improve upon. No, that's great. I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I have such a deep affinity for Ben Franklin and what he was not only able to accomplish for so many others, but the example that he laid in terms of personal growth. As far as I'm concerned, in so many different capacities, he's somewhat of the godfather of personal growth. Yes. Yes, he is. So if, if any of the listeners aren't familiar with much of what Ben Franklin stood for, I would highly encourage you to read his biography, whether it's the one written by Walter Isaacson or his autobiography. Absolutely incredible individual. I also just read the um, Charlie Munger wrote uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac, which it was based on uh, really the Poor Richard's Almanac uh, from Ben Franklin. It was just so exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just I just find it to be fascinating. And, and you know, really what you're saying is identify what you're good at and what you're not good at, because we all have habits that serve us and all habits that do not serve us. Right. So what is it that you can do to build in a structure? And I love thinking of what are the 13 weeks that I can go through and then maybe right. recycle that, be cognizant, be conscious of what you're choosing to do. So I really appreciate that, Bob. What would you say overall is the driving force behind what you do? Your continuous learning, continual, never ending positive and, and personal growth. Uh, well, I think I love it. I love the whole idea. Of it. You know, my my education really began when I started in sales. Um, I was a horrible high school student, uh, was not interested at all, didn't get the point of it. And uh, which I, you know, of course, I regret because what that did is it, I, I wish I had known back then that the point of it wasn't to, you know, memorize the quadratic formula. Uh, it, it was to learn how to learn. And I just didn't get it and I didn't see it. So I remember on the on graduation day, the uh, guidance counselor saw me, we crossed paths and he said, Berg, I can't believe I'm actually seeing you here today. And <laughs> he was a nice guy, by the way. I know that doesn't sound very nice or in a right. he was really a nice guy, but I agree with him. I, I'm kind of surprised I was there too. Uh, I got into college after taking a couple of years off. I got into college on academic probation and I'm fairly certain if this is possible that I graduated on academic probation. So again, it was something I just didn't. But when I got into sales, after the first couple of how-to books I read, and I noticed both of those authors recommending all these great mind-expanding books, such as you know How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Magic of Thinking Big, Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Thinketh, and Psycho-Cybernetics, and you know, just Augmandino's books, and all these... Well, you start to see this is stuff here. I mean, this is good. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, and I just fell in love with learning at that point. I love that. Learning how to learn. That is amazing. Um, Bob, I want to be super respectful of your time. Let's go into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire. And you're talking books, man. We're talking about expanding ourselves, expanding our wisdom, following our curiosity, never stopping learning. Talk to me about what are, what would you say if you had to name three, perhaps, of your top most 
impactful books that you've read, what would those be? Well, one was a book most people have never heard of. Uh, it's called The Secret of Selling Anything. It was actually published posthumously. Uh, the, the author, Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, he wrote these. He was a best-selling author of several books on, on philosophy, economics, politics. Uh, but he, he wrote this in the 60s as a training manual for his salespeople. And one part of it, he didn't name it how to sell anything to anybody. It was just two books, that two manuscripts that his, his widow found after he died. Uh, and one was on understanding human nature. And the other was on how to tie the understanding of human nature into sales. And Harry was a guy who had immense respect for human nature. He didn't try to change it he worked within it. And he was just such a kind, wonderful human being and a great salesperson. And, and so um, um, Mrs. Brown had sold the rights to it to a direct response person who published it. And so few people know about it, but uh, on my blog at berg.com slash blog, if, if you write in the um, search, the secret of selling anything, that will come up. And it's a review I did on the book. It, it's probably that book that if you had to say, if there's one book, and I hate to even say that because there isn't just one book, but right. if you had to say, is there just one book? That would be it because it's, wow. it, to be successful, you've got to understand human nature, you know? Yes. And, and, um, and, and to me, that was the best I'd ever read. It's a very it's a short book. You know, it's just, it's not a big book at all. Uh, you know, books like How to Win Friends and Influence People certainly are just, you know, right up there. Uh, there's a book by Annie Duke that came out a couple of years ago called Thinking in Bets. Mm. Annie was a world champion uh, poker player. She was on TV in the Las Vegas thing. And I'm not a poker player. Blackjack is the only game I know, the only casino game I know or play. But you don't have to understand or know poker to, to benefit from her book. The book was Thinking in Bets, How to Make the Best Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts. And mm. she went through a decision-making process. And I'm telling you, I have benefited so much from that that book in terms of, you know, when to speak out, when not to, when to decide this, when to, it's really, it was just fascinating. That's you amazing. Know, yeah. Then there's books like, um, uh, thinking fast and slow by Dan Kahneman. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, it talks about, and again, it's understanding it's human nature. We don't act as we think we, you know, should or as, as, people do it's it's a you know it's a um, uh, uh, people are people and we're dealing with people of emotion basically emotion drives us and we don't even know it and that's the the key there's a book I read a long time ago one of the my favorites in the world by John Marks Templeton, the founder of the Templeton Fund, who was also a real philanthropist, called Worldwide Laws of Life, 200 Eternal Spiritual Principles. Uh, and I mean, it's just an amazing, uh, an amazing book. And I, you know, you just think how fortunate we are to be able to, to have these. I know. It's amazing. I just want to make a quick highlight. If you are watching on YouTube, you see this, but he's got notes. He's got Posted notes throughout each pages and oh, beautiful book there, Tools of Titans. A more recent one, Tools of Titans by oh, Tim Ferriss, yeah. and in the interviews he did with people who, uh, wow, you know the the tactics, routines, and habits of billionaires, icons, and world class performers. I mean, you know, you're learning from people who have just done such spectacular things. How fortunate are we that we can 
glance into these people's minds and hearts and, and, and benefit from it. It is an absolute gift. That is 100% for sure. And I'm excited to dive into a few of those that I have not read myself. Uh, but, I, you know, one thing I did want to highlight there is it seems like there's a commonality that you're so interested in psychology and how what moves a human being, what's the, what's the human Absolutely. being spirit. And I think mm-hmm. there's, there's something to glean from that for the listeners, um, for all of us to understand that deeper and how can we influence others? How can we give to other people? And serve other people more deeply, and I think there's so so much wisdom there. A couple couple other questions for you, Bob, and we'll uh, we'll get you on your way. But uh, I'd love to know what would you say outside of what we've already talked about today is the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis. Oh wow! I think gratitude is probably the biggest thing of all. You know, I always say that gratitude is the one trait that makes happiness possible because you can have all the blessings in the world and it doesn't have to be a boat or a airplane or you know anything like that i'm talking about being able to see and hear and touch and taste and smell and walk and talk and you know uh, doing those things having a roof over your head having a meal that night you know i mean there are just to, to to being able to put a cup of coffee together that you enjoy and and all that took to have that happen i mean you can go real deep into all the things that have to come together, the, the division of labor that comes together for you to have a cup of coffee at a really inexpensive price without having to do the work to grow it and ship it. and you know. But I mean, there's so much to be grateful for. But if you don't appreciate that, you can't possibly be happy. It's the same as not having it. Right. So I, I think that really, and, and actually that was number one on my list with the Ben Franklin course. It oh. was my gratitude because I, didn't live in gratitude. I didn't live in gratitude. I saw everything as half empty. I focused on what was wrong, not was what was right. So that was my first trait that I, that I did in the, the Franklin course. I love that. I love just framing it as well as how many different things had to happen for this cup of coffee to be on my desk or whatever that may be. And there's so oh, many different examples. Yeah. There's so many people who are coalescing to help us live a great life and it can be so simple as well. So thank you for reminding us all of that. I know you're going to love this question. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Bob? Uh, you know, I, I think my biggest um, efforts are made at, and, and here I'm really just to me carrying on my dad's legacy, something I always saw him do. And that is to always do my best to make other people feel genuinely good about themselves. You know, that, that really, to me, energizes me. And that's it, kind of what I feel my purpose is because I saw my dad do that all the time. And again, I had a great mom and great dad. So it's, you know, that, very lucky in that way. Um, but I've always, you know, seen dad do that and how he, he really brought out the best in people. And again, it's making them feel genuinely good about themselves. And, you know, when we can do that, that's when we're touching the world in a very significant way, even one life that we do that with. And you think about how that might change them and change their attitude and how they do that with someone else. And you never know where that's going to end up. We'll never even see it where it ends up. Right. Well, Bob, you've genuinely brought so much value to, to us, to our listeners, to Elevate Nation. Really, really appreciate you taking time. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share? You know, I mean, I really think it's just a, a matter of, of, of deciding what you want to do. And, 
you know, finding a way to uh, tie that in with a market that's for it and having enough confidence in yourself to, to go with that, uh, to learn from those, you know, people like you who are providing such a great service to people who want to be investors and who want to, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. In fact, we could, we could do, you know, we could do it this way. We'd say, determine what it is you want to do, find the system for doing so. What's a system? It's the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, right? Then make sure you take action because, you know, great ideas without action aren't going to happen. Be persistent and so forth because it's not going to happen easily, at least not if you're the typical bird. It doesn't happen easy for me. It doesn't happen for most people. It's just how it is. It's part of, and then uh, again, have the belief that you're doing something of value. And, uh, and that will make you 10 feet tall and bulletproof when those yucky things happen. Absolutely. Bob, thank you so much. This has been an absolute privilege to sit down with you and you've certainly offered so much value to our listeners. Uh, tell the listeners how they can learn more about what you do and follow you along your journey. Best way is probably go to go to Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. Uh, scroll down, you'll see a bunch of, uh, books on a page that you can tap onto and, and download the first chapter of any of them, all of them to see, you know, what you like and you can always click through. I have a video series out on my blog. So if you uh, go to the berg.com and scroll down to the blog, you'll see the latest video. You can go backwards on them and binge listen if you want, binge watch, whatever. And uh, so there's a bunch of resources there that you, that you might find interesting. Yeah, if you're going to binge watch something, this is what you need to do. You need to invest in yourself. And absolutely, you're going to want to follow Bob along his path. We will share uh, links into the show notes of all of his social media uh, you know, platforms there. So he's definitely got some great stuff going on. And, and obviously, Bob is bringing genuine energy. He's offering value. He's offering words of wisdom for us to now take action on because really that's what it's all about. And I love what you just said about persistence because you know what, you're going to take action. You're going to fall down, but you've got to get yourself back up. You got to pick yourself back up and never give up and never give in because really that's what it's all about. And, and you also want to re-listen to the show because repetition is the mother of skill. You're going to listen to it and you're going to hear something. Whereas I know Bob has probably read many of those books twice and he's like, wait a minute, I don't know if I've read this one before. I, I haven't picked this one up. I know that's happened for me. And I know when I listen to a podcast or a discussion again, it's like, wow, it's so much more impactful and I can take notes, I can take action. So you want to go ahead and apply this to your life immediately. What can you do to be a go-giver in your life? What can you do to add more value than you receive? But then also open up yourself to be receptive of the abundance that's coming your way. So Bob, I really want to thank you again for being on the show today. My pleasure. Thanks, Tyler. Real pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.